0: What's up, everybody? Mike Kinoki here, your host and owner and operator of Straight Ahead Construction in Fairbanks, Alaska. And before we get going today, I want to shout out my new listeners in Cali, Colombia, Banja Luka, Bosnia, and Johannesburg, South Africa. I just got a report that the podcast has been downloaded in 102 countries. That leaves 93 countries to go, my friends. And with that sort of distribution, Rounding up stories of how we got into trades should be easy. The Take Up Trades initiative is an effort to compile and archive your stories and your voices of how you got into trades. Why? Because we're passionate. We're professional. We build and maintain everything. We understand grit and determination. We take pride in our work. Join me in honoring the trades by sharing your story and hopefully ushering in more people to the trades. Let's make history together. To learn more about the Take Up Trades initiative and Tales of the Trades podcast series, go to my website, thecontractinghandbook.com. And
1: speaking of tradesmen... Hello, this is Freddie Roman, The Period Craftsman. You're listening to The Contracting Handbook with Mike Kanoki. It was breathtaking. Full scale drawings by hand, the detail work. The guy was a master. And um, I, I fell in love, like literally, like if I'm not getting paid, you're not getting your work back. Don't make me visit you on your site. I will remove what I installed. Listen, it's not my money, but I'm also thinking about longevity. That's the issue that we're having. I feel I believe in trades is that they want to pay very little money for someone coming in. We are constantly losing information every day. I was taught terms so that everyone's on the same page. You quickly notice, especially if you're a teacher, the minute that something sounds odd, just took so much pride in what they did. They didn't care what it was. They just took pride. And it's just like, you can't feel shame for the work you're doing. Your parents instilled a lot of this. Make sure that the shop's still paying for itself. That's where I feel like the side hustle still needs to happen. You're just paying for your habit. Yeah, it's paying for my habit, exactly.
0: Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guest has mused about craft since childhood, has always been fascinated with architecture. He clerked at CVS Pharmacy in front of the CVS of Woodworking, the Connecticut Valley School. He's mastered his hand tools, but doesn't reject the machinery. But his bent for historic restoration and educating others is unmistakable. The elucidator of the ellipse, (laughs) I'd like to welcome Freddie Roman. AKA the period craftsman. Thanks for coming on, Freddie. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. So beyond, besides your obvious passion for your craft, uh, one thing that caught me, we're jumping to a period of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was looking at some of the social media was that you went in a business for yourself and eventually said enough is enough. And, and there's a, there's a lot to unpack here.
1: So let's start with what was that business? So my business was essentially evolving business. So I started off as a aspiring furniture maker, you know, historic, historic reproductions for museums, and then evolved to restoration and then evolved to uh, kind of like historic restoration and carpentry. And I would do anything from historic millwork to fabrication of missing millwork to stripping all the woodwork from all the paints and the lead. And kind of just bringing everything back to life and getting it ready for the next generations for people to enjoy and cherish from the old world of woodwork compared to more modern woodwork today. So and and go ahead. so was
0: uh, was the so you eventually I know you worked for some other people, but mm-hmm. you you were taking on contracts doing restoration of furniture for and doing it for museums and and doing it for
1: oh uh, so basically. Or, or, Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Uh, I was going to say, basically what what happened is a lot of people come to me and need their furniture repaired. uh, Or there would be designers that need something reproduced. And -hmm. then there would be historic buildings that I would basically bid out the job. And I would do anything and everything that they needed to be done for historic building. So Mm -hmm. that could be fabrication. That can be just repair. That can be just making things function like they used to. Or lots of times, basically, like, make-believe there was never any damage that Mm -hmm. this has been corrected and bring it back to life
0: and were you doing i i i like you know you're you're looking at embellishments on buildings and stuff or Mm -hmm. or reproducing stuff like that were you doing all the installs too or or
1: just producing the pieces uh most of the time i would i would make an install because uh uh, the reason being is that a lot of these buildings or kind of Things I'm installing were for old buildings, and nothing is flat, nothing is square, nothing is plumb. So, you kind of need to incorporate a lot of hand tools. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there that try to do everything off of machines, which is great. But, you know, often for me, it's just like I can just do it just faster with a hand plane, or I bring out a handsaw and I angle the handsaw and I'm faster with the handsaw. You know, there's something to be said of going up and down ladders all the time just to make a cut versus I'm up on the ladder, I can just grab my handsaw, grab my hand plane shape it to whatever i needed and then Hmm. test and put it back up and i think sometimes for efficiency wise uh that's just easier cool i i
0: I, there's some good imagery there um (laughs) i don't think i don't think about having a hand plane at the top of a ladder oh all the time all the time you know uh, that's wild i think about that at at the bench but not huh it's cool and and it makes sense um (laughs) you're definitely you're definitely a different world than I've ever been in 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 that period of your life
1: so was that was that business lucrative um you know listen i I did it for 18 years I, I never went bankrupt could have have been more lucrative hundred <laughs> percent you know I'm just being honest and the reason being is uh these contracts a lot of them can be government so there's like 90 day waiting period even though in the beginning some of these contracts like oh yeah you send us a bill. Right away, you know, within a month. And it's like, okay, it's three months, guys. Like, you know, uh, I can survive, but, you know, it's kind of challenging. Insurance gets expensive. Everything else gets expensive, which is part of business. And then there's people who demand perfection, but didn't have the budget for perfection. And as you evolve as a business owner, you kind of realize that contracts can be more detailed. Payment schemes need to be more detailed. So to be straight up honest, hell no, it was not lucrative. No, it should (laughs) have been. People assume that I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. No. Uh, what I had was a hundred thousands of hours into my work. And after 18 years, well, I sure the hell didn't have uh, the money that I deserved.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. The life of a, of a carpenter craftsman, like the passion is there. And then you're like, wait a minute, how much money did I make last year? You're paying the bills. You're getting yeah. by. You're mm-hmm. proud of your work. Yes. Um, and, and, <laughs> I, I understand. Um, that's kind of why I became a general, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the thing that, um, I noticed in this social media post is you kind of abandoned the business because, because running the business took away from your craft hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I, as a, as a GC, You know, like we were talking about before I got up, before we started recording here, you know, I'm kind of a talent scout. I'm looking for the, I'm looking for people. I'm looking for good subs. I'm looking for good employees because basically I'm pointing my finger and telling people what I want. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed with my employees was, you know, some guys don't want to be lead. They don't ever want to be lead. They don't want to tell other people what to do. They Mm -hmm. just want to make stuff. Yeah. And I had one guy in particular that, you know, he'll... He'd show up all day long. He'd do great work. He just wanted to be left alone to do his stuff, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make it how he wanted it to look. We'd have a discussion and then turn him loose. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the same sort of thing, a parallel to kind of what you experienced. Like you went off on your own. You were in charge. And then you're like,
1: wait a minute. This is, this is taking away way too much. Um, yeah, to a certain extent. But here's the thing. I, I love being a leader i i I yes. can I can't go ahead and show anyone and everything because deep down, I feel like I am a teacher and I can share what i I need to come across and what we need yeah. and uh but one advantage that I feel like I have versus other people who can't grow their business is I don't micromanage. I have confidence in people mm. and when they screw up, that's where my I feel like my restoration background comes in. It's like there's rarely rarely ever I can't fix something. And there's rarely a situation that I can't full finish and make it look like it was never a mistake. Uh, And that's just because I fell on my face so many times that you got to get up and be like, all right, how are we going to make this work? Because I got to make some money. Um, So I feel that, yes, I enjoy the craft. uh, I enjoy interaction. I enjoy production and interaction. But at the same time, like you said, it's all about work. It's all about just do my job, feel proud of my work, look, step back, enjoy it. And then just move on. I like it. Excuse me. And one of the things you said to
0: me that I'm going to share with the audience Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things you said to me when we first started chatting about this period of time was uh, you mentioned working a lot of half days. That is 12 12 hours a day, six days a week. (laughs)
1: 100%. I love that.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: It's it's kind of an ongoing joke. Everyone's just like, you know, do you love what you do? Like, yeah, I love half days, you know, because that's what it takes. I feel (laughs) like, you know, my mentor always, Worked long days, and there was always the paperwork. There was always, you know, the emails. There was always something else to catch up, the supply runs, and everything else. And it's a balance act. And I enjoy that hustle. I get excited about it. I'm very energized about it. But at the same time, as I as I get long on the tooth, as they say, uh, you kind of realize that life is passing by, and uh, you have to kind of make better decisions. And if I stuck to my past goals, which was to be a builder to be a GC, to make basically homes that look historic but more modern with modern amenities that I would be even more successful and or actually a success. But uh, the way I grew up and the opportunities that I had in front of me didn't bring that to fruition. So I'm kind of like stepping back and looking at What, why I fell in love into this craft and why I got into it and how I grew up in the houses or apartments that I lived in. You know, I wanted that American dream. I wanted the house. I wanted to enjoy living on something of quality at the same time. I'm happy that I got my education because not only can I make the house or feel comfortable saying I can make a house or find subs, I can make all the furniture around me as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that is next level stuff. That's very cool. Um, how
1: old are you? I'm 41 years young. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good so, year. It's a good year. 41. Time flies, man.
0: I didn't like when I turned 40, but 40. But I was okay
1: with it by the time I turned 41. Yeah, I, I wasn't okay with 40. You know, it's just because I felt that I should have been a different place in my life. And, yeah, uh, totally. So no
0: one, no one told us that you were still gonna be so much of what you are when you were young when you turn 40 you just you think you're supposed to be something else by then it's an interesting
1: uh, reflective time 100 percent. i'll and be com- 50
0: i'll be 50 soon i don't care anymore
1: go ahead you know it's just one of those things that uh life is precious and yeah. uh my body basically told me that i'm not invincible anymore mm. so you kind of reflect back and you kind of think you know i've come a long way compared to my parents Uh, but at the same time, what they wanted more. So here I am, I'm further ahead and I want more. And Mm -hmm. so it tells me that something needs to change. Yeah. Hey, let's bounce back for a second to the 12 hour days,
0: six days a week thing. And you don't want to grind as hard because you know, life is precious. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you, do you take some downtime and in that downtime, like, do you feel like in that downtime, your creative process, it improves your creative process because you can reflect, you can process while you're away from your, your work?
1: So it took forever to start taking vacations. And at first it was just like, how can I just sit back and do nothing uh, at the beach you know, with my wife? And I quickly realized that the vacations are more desirable and more enjoyable and I totally can be a beach bum and might bring on the fruity drinks. And it, yeah. it's, ama- it's amazing what it does to my hands because I use my hands so much. It's like a huge recovery. So I feel like that week of vacation or right, 11 days because ideally it's like you work so hard as a business owner. The first two days of vacation, you're kind of recovering because you say I'm going to miss time. So somehow you're basically working 40 hours in three days. You know, you just bust in your butt. So you don't really enjoy vacation as much. So I'm a big fan of 11 days. Like, so I have some recovery time then I can be a beach bum and then I can go ahead and enjoy as a tourist, whatever I want to enjoy wherever we visited. So the creative process does come back and I get back, you know, really excited because I feel that my hands are coming back to me. My, my energy is coming back, that there is, there is hope still. Uh, because sometimes I, I really do feel defeated, depending on the situation at hand. And and it's, it sparks that fire that's within me.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I, I like walking away from things now. Yes. And and then you come back and you're like, oh, Eureka. Like there's so many Eureka moments when you come back, step into the room. You're like, oh, yes, and charge into it. And with the new fire and new angles on how to do stuff.
1: A hundred percent. I'm always yeah. interested in figuring out uh, or stepping away, coming back, because sometimes you just get something in your head that you think about it a different way or get it, look at it at a different angle and something comes into your head. And it's like, this is so much easier if I did X, Y and Z.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I like I like sand. I like sand. You know, when I was younger, oh. I, had a str- I struggled to hang out on beaches. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the young people on the hang I was just like, this is so boring. Yes. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. But now now I can do it. Now yeah. I can do it now I love it you know <laughs> blue water yeah I love to travel yeah oh yeah that blue water um so you ever like wake up in the middle of the night with it with it with an epiphany on a project and you just like can't wait to get back to
1: it oh yes. almost almost daily yeah <laughs> like e- even even if it's not my job it, it, there's there's furniture that I'm making for myself. Uh, there's a moment like, Oh, I can do it this method or I can change this up and make things a lot easier. So I think th- I'm always dreaming about it. It's if anything in life that I'm addicted to, it's basically my craft. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I get told to shut it down quite often. Shut know. it down. Shut it down. Please Just stop. God. Stop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. love it. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. So is, is Freddie Roman your actual name or is that your stage name?
1: No, that's that's my actual name. Freddie with a Y, no IE. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my mom like, go ahead. I was like, my mom was attracted to a Freddie long ago, and that's how I got my first name. And then same thing with my brother. She was attracted to a man named Daniel, and he that's how he got his first name. So <laughs> I like uh, it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um
0: so what was your exit strategy when you decided, you know what, enough is enough with the business?
1: Uh there was there were several factors. So uh what started it was uh I got home late quite often and the wife's like you've been I don't see you in the morning and I don't see you at night. Uh and this has been like this for God only knows how many years. So the first time you say, yeah, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. And the next year, it's going to get better. It gets a little bit better. But really, this time around was I was at upstate New York. I was three hours away getting ready to install some doors. I get there at 10 a.m. And I'm leaving there like at 12 p.m. one Or 12 a.m., 1 a.m. And still have a three-hour drive. And my wife's like, what? The heck is going on like this cannot continue. You're not a young buck anymore. You're now married. I need to see you more. And it's just like, okay, I'll reduce that. Great. And then uh, I lost my mother to COVID, unfortunately. Uh, I'm glad I was able to say that. And not to Sorry up. Sorry I hear that. Thank you. Uh, and this past Mother's Day in 2022, uh, I, I was with my mother-in-law and my wife. And they sat me down and said, uh things need to change. And I was like, oh, man. And I got this brutal, good, great conversation of how we love you, but you're not sleeping. You're stressed out all the time. You can't find good help. Uh You're working even more and more and more. And uh you're always hustling, even though that I would cut my hours. It felt like I was going like 150 miles an hour. Like it was just constant, nonstop. And even though I try to bring help, uh, I joke like, you know, I just need you to fit this one piece in by the end of the day. And it's like Tetris. You know, you got that one piece. I just need to slide in. They decide to rotate it and go to the left and it's nowhere near, you know, where it should be. And it's just like you worked eight hours on this. And it's nowhere near the quality, nowhere near where I needed you to be. And I'm not even micromanaging you. So I basically got all this thrown at me. And then there was health issues that occurred later on from going to the doctors. Finally, that I basically said, this is it. Like, I just, I can't do it anymore. Um, I love what I do. But uh, my mentor before, sadly, he passed away. He said to me, it's not worth it. Don't. Don't be that hustle and grinder all your life, and realize that family is more important than the craft. That I'm a man that thought legacy was everything, and I come to realize my legacy is my family, not my work. So all those things kind of multiplied and put on my shoulders made me realize that that life life needs to change. You, uh you
0: answered one of my come my questions coming up there were, you but your your family had a work intervention
1: yes yeah hey,
0: that's Big amazing time. i Big didn't realize time. how i didn't realize how recent your uh that this transition was i guess it, it, time scale is it's always hard to tell when you're looking at social media and you don't know somebody what's going what's you know for,
1: yeah for sure you know so. what what it was is kind of you know when my mother passed away uh I decided to drown myself in work because mm. she was my best friend. She was oh. my, my everything, you know, you know, best friend, you know, obviously your wife or your partner is your best friend, but you know, you, when you have a mother, it's a different relationship. And um, you know, she's got, she's just taken away from me so fast uh, that uh, there was a lot of emotion. And I've always told anyone and everyone that, you know, that one year, when the death of any of my parents is going to be the worst. So I tried to drown myself with work and say, you know, keep my mind busy and everything else. I am an emotional, man. I'm not scared to cry and show my feelings. Um, but what quickly happened is that I started letting more and more people down and added distress. And even though I was busting my butt to get, make progress and do everything. Um, people didn't understand that restoration is, takes a lot more work than new construction and that my hands need recovery, that the weather affects the finish, the paint, especially if it's oil based and that I can't speed everything up and that there's a process. And the reason why you hired me is because my methods, while maybe old, um, are successful and repeatable and they have longevity. Uh, I'm always thinking about the next restore, or the next person I'm going to work on my items. They're not going to come to my job and say, Oh goodness! Look what this guy did. This guy's a hack. No, it's just like this guy. God only knows why he went to this extreme. He probably could have cut corners, but here we are. I lucked out. Now I can get the opportunity to not work as hard because I did all the hard work. So that's kind of how I approached it. But um, I failed miserably for that year. I should have not. I should have closed down. Honestly, I should have had two mm-hmm. shops. I had two helpers. I was uh, paying. I ended up paying like 35, 40k for rent that year. Insurances weren't crazy. I was bringing in work left and right. I thought, like, this is it. I'm growing. This is the dream. You know, I'm gonna find more people. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna employ people, show them. I always told every employee, I'll give you what you desire. And my goal is for me to be like, I want to give you more money. And I always tell them, give me a reason to give you more money. Because the more money I give you means the more money I'm bringing in. And that means we're successful. Not a single one of them gave me that. Every single one of them made me want to scream and rip out my hair. Um, But it's just like I understand that restoration work is more difficult than new work. Like I can find carpenters all day, you know, and I can work around and fix what they screw up. But when it comes to actual historic work, restoration, fixing furniture, millwork, if you scrape too much, you just ruin the profile. If you put too much paint, you're making the profile disappear. If you don't prep it, the paint or finish is not going to stick. What I got the first five hours, I need at the 20th hour. I need at the 40th hour. Okay. And you can work as much hours as you want. I, I'll i continue giving you money as long as we were productive because there's more work to come. Um, but, you know, I could I never found any of that. Unfortunately, everyone wanted to they all thought, oh, yeah, I love to do this. Yeah, this is great. I love what you do. You're hustling, grinding and you make it look so easy. And they come here and it's just like every single person I've hired always said. I never realized how hard you work. I never realized how much work this takes. I never realized uh, why you come across as tired. Now I understand. And I'm just like, I don't sugarcoat it, man. This is not a donut. Uh, it's just like, this is real life. And it's just like, I don't come to talk. I don't come to chit chat. You know, we can do that lunchtime. or on a drive to a job site or something else, but you know, I have, I have work on my mind and I I come to work and, um, I couldn't find that in my restoration world. Mm. That's a, that's heavy. That's it's, it's like. It's insane, man. It's just like, you know, I and I want to come across as humble and understanding and everything else. But what I come to realize is that I wasn't anything special when I went to school. My who I who I went to school with, these guys were and gals were so much better than I what I was. Huh. The only the only thing I had a, over them is that I knew what almost being homeless was. I knew what how hard it was to raise a make a dollar, and I knew how to adapt if i've mastered anything in life is that i'm able to adapt and just make things work and figure it out and just you know while i hate the hustle and grind mentality i i hustled and i ground now i just like i hustle and grind for eight hours people's like oh that's not hustle and grind like no actually i i work like my butt's on fire like it's just like it's non-stop like people people never find me not doing anything like even if i'm even if I'm downstairs and everyone's like wondering what he's doing, like, you know, I'm on my hands and knees recently mopping up the floor with a sponge because we have our layout lines on the ground. The plaster guys have covered it up. We need to see those lines. I'm not going to lay those lines out again. So I'm out there just like, and everyone's looking at me like, Jesus, you're, you're going to an extreme. I was just like, we did the work already. All we got to do is just clean it up and see it again. So it's like, I'm not embarrassed. Like my dad always said, uh, I'm not embarrassed to clean toilets. I'm not embarrassed to get on my hands and knees. You know, when we do clean toilets or when we are on our hands and knees, we want to make that ball shine, and that's my goal. I want to make that life of our workflow much easier. If we already spent the time on it, I'll do whatever it takes to get the job done.
0: Man, I love that. Uh, I'm with you, and and you know, you can hustle for eight hours and and put it down and be proud of that and rest, Mm -hmm. because I bet you probably had a time when you thought you could multitask and do all these things and you work 12 hours, but you could have done it in eight if you actually compartmentalized a lot of it and, and organized better and, 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 and and had a different way of approaching all those things you were trying to do. Yeah. You know Um,
1: that what, what was great about furniture making or not furniture, furniture repair say, and these were high. A lot of them were at one time, very high end was that I was able to work on multiple projects at once. So I'll be able like, all right, I did that repair glues, dry next one? I did that repair next job, next portion, letting things settle. So I'm able to do multiple tasks and instruct people to do multiple tasks. And the, the reason why I got that efficiency is because when I was at school, I also assisted and taught people. And when you have 12 students that you're responsible for, that you have to have them come in and leave with the 10 fingers that they started with. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility <laughs> and there's a lot of risk. So I am always you know, I've been told many times that I'm like a drill sergeant when it comes to taking classes, because what I've learned in my experiences and there's been many classes I wish I got my money back on because I didn't finish the job or people never finish the project is that I don't want you leaving a class with a bucket full of parts or, or string wrap of parts. Like I want you to leave be like I can't put this together because I'm driving back or flying back to California, but everything's there. All I got to do is just glue it up. So. I am pretty mentally like super focused, tunnel vision. I can ignore everything around me. And that's good and bad sometimes. And yeah, but I'm in tune with what's next. And I am like, all right, let's go hustle, 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 get in line, come in, pay attention. You guys not paying attention. There's then this is not the class for you. This is super focused. We want you to succeed. And I bring that mentality uh even now to the job site. It's just like, you know, there's lots of times my like i'm kind of an assistant pm on this job because this is a big big job um lots of times my pm who is an amazing pm um doesn't tell me what to do i'm already knowing what needs to happen next and i just verify like you want me to do this next this is what i see he's so, yeah that sounds good and just i just go and uh because i'm always thinking about the next five or six steps and thinking about the next trade coming in making their life easier and then making my life easier because the last thing we need is to bump heads and then having to correct issues. When yeah. when my PM shakes his head or takes a big, big deep breath, um, most people are like, oh, you know, well, I'll just fix it. I'm actually like he – I treat him like my mentor. When something is not perfect or up to the standard, you know, even though he has a very high-end standard, I'm disappointed in myself, which makes me – uh, more excited to be better because I'm not that I'm trying to ha- make him happy or please him, but I'm trying to make sure that I stay at his level because if it was him doing it, doing the work, he will be striving for perfection. So I want to strive for perfection.
0: I want to go back for a second. Yep. We're going to come back to your PM here and, and what you're doing now mm-hmm. Uh, to that period where you're, you said, you know, you had a year you should have just shut down. But the work was coming, you're, you help, and you're like, I've arrived. I, yeah. can, I can relate. I would say that probably eight years ago, six, eight years, six, seven, I don't know. Yeah, six years ago, I was like, I've arrived. And, I, and in a lot of ways, I had because my clients were, I, I had awesome clients, money but i worked insane hours and at the end of the year i kind of took a look at previous years time i've put in i kind of track my own hours as best i can mm-hmm. and the amount of money the additional amount of money i made was marginal <laughs> for the time i put in yeah like the more i worked the less i made for sure i mean i made i did well but it wasn't it was it was it was not what it should have been if it was proportional to the time i put in it would have been great i might have 100
1: yeah for sure yeah Mm -hmm. okay
0: and then and then you know your point about you know uh being almost homeless and and surviving Mm -hmm. there's been a period of my life that was rough i think that we're better i think we're better people survivors i think we're better like i'm privileged compared to a lot of the people in countries I've visited, I've been all over the world and I'm privileged as hell, Mm -hmm. but I didn't grow up privileged compared to other people around me. Oh God. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and there was a lot of survival in that period.
1: And I think it makes me more empathetic. Yes. So, you know, just a quick second of my background, not, not that it's important, but I feel like, there's a certain period of people or there's certain times that people just want to give up. Like mm-hmm. I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, the ghetto. Okay. Mm-hmm. The gang life, gang wars, certain colors can't be worn. Family ran a gang. Shoes were never tied because I run faster without sneakers. So the minute that my sneakers come off, I'm gone. Okay. Okay because I've been chased. I've been, I've run, I've hustled. I've, I've like taken my clothes off. So I don't even know be noticed kind of chase. Okay. It's just like, I was beaten down. I've been scared of my life. Both my brother and I have been on the wrong side of drive-bys. We have all survived. It's a blessing. And my mom kept us moving. My mom, parents kept us, uh, safe, better and better middle class, trying to improve life, better goals for their kids. I came out of that. I made a choice to better my speaking of English versus speaking Spanglish. I made choices and I became a loner because I feared the people who I was hanging with may not be bad, but they lived on the street and then they can be, uh, an, an interest to a fellow gang or whatever else. And that would cause trouble for me or it can end my life. So I am extremely privileged right now. Like you wouldn't believe like, you know, there's food on the table, there's power. You know, I got everything. Do I want more? A hundred percent because I want more for my future family, God willing. But it's just one of those things that if you think you're down or you think that, you know, we, I don't understand the struggle that you are facing. It may not be exact, but I, I know struggle and I want people to understand that don't lose hope and you just got to keep fighting. And there's nothing wrong with crying and there's nothing wrong of beating that punching bag. And there's nothing wrong with doing whatever it takes to get that negative energy out. But, you know, you wake up and you fight another day.
0: Freddie, I'm going to retract everything I just said about my. Childhood. Okay. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Uh, <clears throat> amazing. Um, so now fast forward to today, mm-hmm. you're working for this company, you work yep. under a you work under a PM, but you're kind of a project manager too.
1: You're kind of yep. a site manager. Well, basically what it is is that you know, I I applied to be a project manager. And the boss in the company I work for is called Columbia Contracting Corporation. And they said, well, we need two PMs in this job. And the main PM is going to be leaving in winter because he's having a baby. He's going to have a leave of absence. And you know, that's where you got to step up. So right now it's kind of, here's your training wheels. And sooner or later, uh, those training wheels need to fly off and go, go. You got to take over. And uh, with the outlook of in the future, you know, handling my own projects and um, I took, I said yes to that job because they also said Kate, the boss sat me down for a lunch meeting to see who I was because I was recommended to Kate. And she says to me, uh, we work Monday through Friday, eight hours, no weekends. She's like, that's it. I want you to have a life. I want you to enjoy yourself. Please don't take any side work. I want you to live. Enjoy your family, and you know. She also said, you know, but I also wants you to hustle for me. And and she said to me, the difference between me and everyone else that you're going to interview is this: we got vacation time, we got 401k match, we got health insurance, we are flexible, we're easy, and um, I'm not on you to micromanage, but you have a responsibility. And when I heard all that, man, it was just like, this is like a sign from the Lord, if you believe in such a thing. And I said, I want, I need to work less. I need to do less. So I said, sure, why not?
0: That's very cool. Yeah. I, 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 I like that kind of language. But
1: weren't you, aren't you supposed to work this weekend? Uh, I was supposed to work this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> because here's the thing. Uh, when you quickly realize, huh? go ahead. I said, what you quickly realize for someone who's been in business for eighteen years, and then you have the ability to write off stuff, it is your money. You still have to write, you know, you you still write things off. It's amazing how much taxes are taken out these days, and how many other little details for for if you have a child of leaving absence, and those numbers add up, and it's just kind of like, I need to make like an extra twenty grand on the side to justify doing this. So I just think to myself. I got to find jobs that I truly love, only do parts that I truly enjoy, and then find other people that I feel confident in doing the work that I don't care if they get the bulk of the money, but I get a small portion that keeps me happy and I make extra cash because um, I kind of like almost took a pay cut to take this job. But in reality, I say I didn't take a pay cut because there's no... Threats of liens, no threats of like, hey, you know, leg breakers still exist. Um, There is no chasing the money. Uh, There is no hard conversations. In the end, this is consistency. There's less hours being worked. So in the end, I am making more money. But sometimes in the overall spectrum, if you look at your numbers, the cash flow isn't the same. And if someone like me who is now on site all the time also has a full equipped shop who still has to pay for the overhead, you kind of almost have to make sure that the shop's still paying for itself. So this kind of an a balance act, and um, that's where I feel like the side hustle still needs to happen. But it's more of like not stressful, not things I don't love doing. And I'm not promising. You're just
0: paying. You're just paying for your habit.
1: Yeah, it's paying for my habit exactly. You know, and I'm I'm like a hoarder, so a lot lots of, a clean hoarder. So there's there's I don't need twelve chop sauce, which I have so maybe i can go down to 6 you know so that's always an issue
0: you you need to have a tool intervention too it sounds like
1: oh 100% 100% um tell
0: me about leg breakers
1: oh you know leg breakers is one of those things that uh one i i have a stern face when i work because it's like one of those things that not that i have adhd or anything it's just kind of like if I look at something and it's just like, um, I can get distracted. So like anything else, it's like, I'm very nice. And then after a while, it's kind of, I'm just really stern and I get a little, the tone changes because now I understand tone because Hispanic people always, you know, even when they're friendly, it sounds like they're yelling at each other. I now more understand tone and I take that to my advantage. And you kind of get like, listen, like if I'm not getting paid, you're not getting your work back, you're you know, don't make me visit you on your site. I will remove what I installed. Um, I will take back. Oh, you know, after it's installed, you know, you can't take it back. Uh, I'll take some other stuff that's not installed yet. Like, you know, um, I, I have threatened people. I have gotten very aggressive. Um, it's not something I enjoy whatsoever. Um, as customers demand and try to threaten me because uh, they, the minute they give me a dollar, they think they should be my only customer. You know, I feel like people need to understand that this is a give and take. And uh, I don't always want to give. I need to take back what you owe me or take what you owe me. And, you know, there's been times like, you know, I like you don't want me to come here pissed. And uh, I make sure that I come across in a way that they understand I mean business. Obviously, things have changed. Uh, I'm a little softer as I got older. I have more responsibility and more risk. As a teenager, there's definitely a way like, you know, I would, or, you know, early in my teen careers, I guess you can say, you know, I walk up to a porch and be like, you know, this baseball bat is meant to be used. And uh, I'm not proud of it. And I don't do it anymore. But I got paid. And I need to survive because it's just kind of one of those things like you know it's not fair to me i gave you product i gave you are you happy with your oh you are happy with your product i want to be paid that's all i'm asking so uh there's times like you know you have to maybe maybe make some lies but like you don't want my friends and i to be coming back um but at the same time there was a period there my friends like sure let's go you know um it never had to come come to it um people paid for the most part um and then after that, it's kind of like, it's part of business. I've learned that you'll you win some and you lose some. And sometimes you have to pick your battles because you have to think about lawyer fees. And does that extra 5K get you happiness? Or is that 5K basically going to get lost in the lawyer? So it's kind of like pick your battles.
0: Yeah, it's I'm I'm so grateful that I have never been involved in a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful I've never had to pick up a baseball bat. Yeah. And go to a client's house? Definitely. <laughs> um, I've had clients definitely try to hose me on money. I, I mean, people just shift and change. You just can't believe how disrespectful people can be. Oh, 100%. Um, um, especially when you started off in a great relationship and all of a sudden they're they're just chiseling away your money.
1: Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Or they're constantly changing things on you, and you try to be like, "Yeah, it's not going to take that long," when oh, you quickly wow. then realize it's actually a change order.
0: Yeah, I, I, it took me forever to get my act together with change orders. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, that's a, and it's hard, especially as a carpenter, because because we're we're not in a, we're in a trade where we deal with the natural product. Like we're very, I'm very attached to wood. Yes. I'm very attached to wood grain species in my head. And, and, and it's hard to say no, when someone wants something different. And I, as, as, I, as I evolved into a general contractor, it was super challenging to let that part of myself go when people oh, want to changes. It's for brutal. sure.
1: Yes. You know, I've been told that I'm not as pat at one time. There was a period there that I wasn't passionate anymore. And they thought, Maybe this there should be a shift or I need to refocus myself. But what happened really was, is that I tell the customer, you know, this is going to cost X, Y, and Z for perfection. And they all want in the middle of the road. So no matter how hard I try, I'm always going to spend more time than they paid for. Always. I'm always going to fix more than they paid for. But instead of spending 10, 20 hours extra, it's kind of like one or two hours. And... I then started saying it is what it is. And what I started realizing is I started caring less. And it's like, this is all you paid me to do. It's not my fault. I tried to correct the issue. I tried to inform you. You have no money. It's not my fault that you don't have money. And I greatly appreciate the opportunity and work. But at some point, I do have to walk away. And that's when I realized I can't pass judgment at all for the previous person that became came before me because i don't know their budget that they had to deal with or the situation on hand they did the best hopefully the best that they could with the money at hand and they just had to move on and i came full circle at that and saying hey you know what i try i gave extra but in reality you know you only pay me for so much and i just have to move on because i need to survive it's not like you want your doctor and be like, yeah, only go three quarters yeah. of the way on that surgery. Or, hey, that plumber, can you not change this even though we need it and not charge me as much? It's like, no, it's all or nothing. and Or the same thing with a mechanic. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, only fix one brake pad. Like, no, it's just like it comes in pairs. So it's like it's all or nothing. So I'm back into that. It's all or nothing. You're not my client. I really appreciate it. I learned the power of no, and I love it. You know
0: I, that's always something that's well. It doesn't bother me anymore. It's a reality. But other yeah. trades, just they say a number and they just accept it. With yeah. us, they're like they're like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Come on, give me a yeah. Break. They want to beat
1: me down, and it's just kind of yeah. like, dude, like I deserve as much. Res- we as the trade in this field deserve just as much respect, and that's the issue that we're having. I feel I believe in trades is that they want to pay very little money for someone coming in like i should have been a carpenter and builder a long time ago but at the same time when i grew up i saw how beat up these carpenters were Mm -hmm. in their 40s so i decided not to jump jump into that field because i was concerned of how my outlook would be and i felt that money needs to be given to these apprentices and that they deserve more they that when like perfect example is I love my job that I have now and thank God I have all the tools I need because if I didn't, this job does not pay enough for if I had to buy constantly the tools I would need. What, you know, I'm people think I'm crazy bringing all these tools on site, but everyone loves using all my tools because they all need them. And I'm okay with this particular group to use my tools, Mm. but it's just like, if I didn't have them, it's just like, Either you make do or it's just like this is going to be even more of a struggle than what it is. So it's like, you know, I understand that everything costs money, but I also feel like these people coming into the trades, at least in Massachusetts especially, they need more than $20 an hour to start because there's no way to survive. There's just no way.
0: I I will say that the wages have not increased. As a boss, I don't have employees anymore, but the wages have not increased here. And, and the cost of living has definitely big time. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Um, so you're a meticulous man. You're detail oriented. I try to be. You are, you are, yeah. well, you, you, uh, you have to pay attention to historic detail, but mm-hmm. now you're working for a company that's doing remodels. Yes. And, and does your meticulous or detail oriented sense affect your ability to let go of imperfections on the job site like do you use the five foot rule
1: um did- the six foot rule and six inch rule that's that's how we were taught here okay um yeah. you know i walked into this particular job with a guy named pat and even though he's a carpenter i must say he is exquisite and extremely high skill and very methodical and i felt like i was walking into an odd situation of like how is this my first job working with someone who demands the same high quality and skill that i demand on my jobs so for me uh we try our best not to say that six inch six foot rule uh what doesn't matter we believe that You know, at six inches, it should be just as good as it is in six feet. But we also understand what comes up next and what gets hidden. And that's what's great about housework or, you know, remodeling is that not that we're trying to hide anything, but how I say it is we strive for perfection and sometimes we just have to accept the results because we're human. We tried, we tried, we tried, we compensated. Now we just take a deep breath shake our head for three seconds and just kind of like move on. And I've been blessed to have this uh, job and Pat to have that uh, on with me on this, this job. And it allows me to realize that I can carry that mentality to the next job because I didn't get hired by a company that does middle of the road work. I I got hired from a company who makes extremely high end work Mm. and they're very proud and Mm -hmm. they've been around for 40 plus years. They still have employee one and two. And that tells you oh, something. Wow. Yeah. That's so, impressive. I, I When I heard that, I was like, I'm sold.
0: That's cool. That's really neat that that worked out that way for you. Yeah, very lucky. There's also a bit of being prepared for opportunity, right? I mean, you're ready mentally. Yes. And you so. Know,
1: being able to dabble as much as I dabbled and do as many different kind of like uh, trades, so, you know, like finishing wood, cabinet making, you know, stairwork, woodwork, you know, all these things I feel got me ready for this opportunity. So I am very happy now to be where I am and I'm very happy to have this opportunity. Obviously I can't stay at the same pay rate forever. So I am looking forward to bringing my boss in the company more uh, lucrative opportunities and becoming very efficient and hopefully continue to grow because, you know, to be able to survive up here, uh, growth is everything. Do you get benefits from your employer? So benefits, you know, besides the vacation time, I can, ha- I-, I lucked out that I can have insurance with them. Mm. And then, uh, after year we have 401k with match percentage. So, you know, that's more opportunity that, um, any other person was offering me, so I'll I'll take it. That's
0: fantastic. Insurance is not common. No, it's not for a carpenter.
1: Big time In resi-
0: for residential. It's basically unheard of. We can't compete with with uh, commercial operations and and big you know bacon jobs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you know I've, I've lucky you that, I'm lucky that I'm lucky that I I'm on my wife's insurance, but I'm also happy to know that in case my wife gets laid off or something happens that I have an opportunity, there's an option. And, mm. um, if I, has, I have to need to hustle and grind more, you know what? I'm used to that. So I can do that, but I'm not scared of what would happen if I didn't have insurance. Cause the options there. Yeah. Your wife's insurance is better. Yeah, for sure. Bigger company, yeah. but still having the opportunity. Yeah. No one offered that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's,
0: it's, I would, I would love to have been able to offer that to my guys. Mm-hmm. I would.
1: Uh, carpenters get shorted, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and it's and it's not that a lot of us don't try. It's just kind of one of those things that you know. There's a lot of responsibility hiring people, and I feel guilty, feel terrible, not offering more, and and at the same time, it's kind of like I can't go bankrupt helping you i have to strike a balance and while i give more than i take um i wish i could always give more
0: 100 percent um yeah i wish i could have offered more all the time Okay, Freddie, we are at an hour. How are you doing on time? Like I'm not even halfway through my questions. We're taking um, a deep dive here.
1: How are you doing? I'm fine. I just have to yeah. be done by about one o'clock because I have a house to look at potentially at an open house. That's okay. It. So you got like an hour. I got another
0: hour. Cool. We we'll, we we'll, we we'll, we we'll, we won't go that long, but if we do, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. One of the things that I notice. Well, I mean, everybody notices you have, a, you have a, a big following of people you're teaching basically on Instagram. You're educating people about terminology is something I've been looking at lately mm-hmm. uh, as you're going through windows and doors and, you know, teaching stuff of, like, for instance, millwork. Why do you find that so important to carry that torch, to pass that torch?
1: We are constantly losing information every day. And I feel like we're having to repeat knowledge that was already shared. There are so many people teaching basic stuff, which is great for the new people coming in. But no one thinks of the compound angles for a roof, the compound angles for a trim, uh, the terms to make people understand. Everyone calls something a dado. Well, guess what? It's not always called a dado. And I feel that I was taught terms so that Everyone's on the same page. And I have to say, there was one perfect example was my mentor and one of his students who are both masters were getting ready to set up material for a class. They had all these huge industrial machines, joiners, planers, bandsaws, everything else. They're milling parts. And not once was a word communicated. They saw the parts list. They were handing parts to each other. They looked at the scribe marks because they were all trained the same way. They understood what's next. They understood the terms. Everything was flawless. What they did in that hour would have taken so many other people hours to be able to do, or even a day. Nowhere near as efficient. But they knew the terms. They knew what's coming up next. They knew the approach. If people understand terms and people understand the approach and methods, I make everything seem easy because it's repeatable. Everything I'm doing is the same exact method, the same exact techniques. And sooner or later, it's fluid. It's efficient but one thing that frustrates the heck out of me is that when i watch a youtube video and it has a huge following and you call something a dado when it's actually a groove it's just like you're already teaching people incorrectly and in that if you are already investing the time to have this stuff script and educate people then i feel you're responsible and should take the responsibility to use the proper terms. Because if we're all on the same page, we will all succeed. And because a lot of us are not on the same page, I feel like we are hindering the success that we can possibly have. And, you know, my dado example is great. It's like, well, it's called a dado stack. Well, in the old days, actually, it was called a stack of (laughs) blades, blade stack. It It was called dado because that's all you guys thought it was used for. But in reality, in history, it was not. And then that's a problem that we lose out. Like I laugh today in a good way when people finally find Lee Nelson or Lee Valley Veritas hand tools and they, they brag about it. Like it's like the newest thing since sliced bread. And it's just like, that was like my first tool I picked up. Like before I even knew what it was like, where have you been? Like I've all the guys that and friends who I've been blessed to interact with, they see me work and they see the tools that I have. I feel so proud like within the next few months, they have hand planes, they have chisels, they are learning to sharpen. They are now thanking me because their work is more fluid and more efficiency. I don't have to get up from my knees on a baseboard. I can just shoot it with a hand plane and fit. There's faster ways, man. There's faster. Master the hand tools. Learn the limitations of the power tools. If you strike that balance, you would succeed so much more and it becomes so much more enjoyable. This is my thought. Yeah. 10-4. <laughs> I get pretty passionate about it. You know, it's just like, it's so important to know these terms because if you understand them, you sound, number one, so much profes- so much more professional. You can look at the definitions. You can understand history. You can reference old books. You can look at houses. You can look at the architecture and understand how, how and why stacking certain moldings and understanding terms how fluid things will look. And everyone is like, look at what I did. I was like, yeah, it's great. It's been around for 200 plus years. Like, it's like, I understand that this is new. This is being produced by a new manufacturer. All they're doing is replicating what they saw 200 years ago. We're not inventing anything new. It's just like, it's repeatable. But the problem is, we're not, we're taking so long to get there that we are building terrible examples because there's obviously an evolution in our trade and our craft. But really, if you paid attention to what was around us, there's probably years you could have saved and you would have been even more advanced than you are now.
0: Yeah, you know, I I agree that there's a lot of teachers and mm-hmm. putting my fingers up for quotes here. If you're listening uh, out there that are not teaching correct methodology and everybody like it's a it's a fad to be a mentor now. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that in the industry. People are sharing information. I love how open it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've kind of stumbled into this at the right time with this podcast um, with what I'm doing and and the people I'm talking to, but but I agree. I don't even know what to do about the like the, the false prophets out there. Oh, you know who are, yeah. who are who are teaching people how to do things wrong or mm-hmm. like making jokes, like using tools in a way that's dangerous. Yes. And making videos of it. And and you know, someone might take this seriously, or you know, there's just it's a bad idea. It's but I don't know how to deal with that. You know. Yeah.
1: You know, like I always said to people when they ask, you know, should I take classes? And I said, Listen, there are great teachers or or people in the trades that produce great things. It doesn't mean that they're great teachers, and it's not their fault. So you need to be very cautious on making sure you understand fully of a method or a technique or understand the person you're taking a course from or the knowledge that they're being shared. I'm not saying to question people. I'm just saying that there's always more than one way to do something. And sometimes the way they're doing it works for them. It doesn't mean that it's the best way for you. So you have to be very open-minded and because someone cut a circle on a table saw doesn't mean that you can go ahead and do it because there's a lot of risk. And there's been videos around, for example, of someone cutting a circle. He put his hand in the wrong place. And thank God they had a saw stop because if not, he would have four less fingers today than he started with. No
0: doubt. That is a uh, table saw. I, you know, I luckily, I worked in a mill for a while. Mm-hmm it was boring as hell after six months. I didn't last long, but Mm -hmm. I made some cool stuff, but I learned, I, I, I can rip. (laughs) I'm good at it, but you definitely have to be very thoughtful uh, when you're doing production, especially. Yes. Because you're doing the same thing. Everything's down to, you know, two and one sixteenth, you know, or, or, or down to 30 seconds and then, you got to make 150 200 of them Yeah, you got to be careful definitely um, that awareness of where your hand is and where that blade is is huge um, mm-hmm. uh, the circle stuff yeah i could see that being super dangerous i can barely watch some of these things when i when they come up on instagram
1: yeah i can I'm barely the same watch time. you know sooner um, or later sooner or later you kind of hear the machines and if you pay attention to the tone of machines or oh, yeah. of some sounds you quickly notice especially if you're a teacher the minute that something sounds odd, because I, I I experienced that firsthand. I'm talking to my mentor as a student, and next thing you know, he leaves. And I'm just like, "What? why did he just leave? Like, I was just literally in the middle of a, second, of a sentence. And he quickly runs to the saw. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he quickly realizes that the machine is sounding different, which means that you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And the same thing happens today. You need to be in tune with these machines and and, and be prepared to understand what happens I always say you want to do a dry run. Go through the whole process. Feel Mm -hmm. it out. Look how where your hand placement is, where you're supposed to stand, Mm. how you feed. And then once you do that, go for it. There's been a couple incidents in my career that I was getting tired. And I lucked out. I was on a table saw sled. My finger was right next to the kerf. I felt the wind, you Mm -hmm. know, from that blade. And I was lucked out. I have all 10 fingers. And then the other time I was cutting posts for a six by six, constantly rotating the blade. And then I put my hand in there and the blade is almost at the end. It tickled my finger. It was like tick, tick. And I was just like, whoa, like what is going on? You know better. So now ever since those two incidents, it's just like, how are you feeling? You feeling tired? You're done. This is why hand tools are great. You're not working on the power tools. You walk away. Even though it's just like I have to get it done. It's like it's not worth the risk, man. It's just not worth it.
0: So you're really tapping into the craftsman psyche with your social media and you know not everyone can do that you know you have you have a lot of discussion going on mm-hmm. and especially now I think that like Instagram is dying off in a lot of ways
1: mm-hmm.
0: there there's a lot less maybe it's because of covid maybe people are not online as much yep um because we can actually do whatever we want but <clears throat> but what 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 do you think your secret is there I mean obviously passion is
1: but Um, I, my secret there is, um, I guess it's not a secret. It's just more, more of a, just trying to, trying to educate, trying to throw something out there that not everyone sees, uh, share information that I feel that it's very basic and worth knowing that, um, that the stuff I'm sharing is actually useful. Versus, like, hey, look at this new technique. Look at this new tool. Look at this. You know, after a while, even I got sucked into that. It's like, I don't need another nail gun. I don't need another table saw technique of cutting the same methods. There's already, we reached a point that there's already 30 different ways to do it. It's time to cut back. Like, just go back to the basic five or six. That's all you need. Like, you know, so for me, it's kind of like discovering what people are interested in, discovering that there is lack of, people in the trades informing others of these certain elements and details there's many masters that are not online this is unfortunate and they're old school and i understand that they have no time but i feel like there's a huge void still that we haven't opened the books to and that i don't know why uh, i feel like it's worth sharing and i feel more people need to know about it and it's worth you know giving it out there and understanding more of it like people out there will say oh you know don't share your secrets don't share your secrets it's like no actually i'm happy to share my secrets with anyone because there's no such thing it's just techniques there's no tricks in this trade it's techniques and once you discover them most people will be like you are crazy to even consider doing it and it's just like exactly i share everything i got because if you're gonna do it with me then maybe i should hire you because if you can follow along this long you're, you have a great mindset. You are a rarity because not many people can do or want to do what I do. So by me sharing that, they I'm hoping that they realize, oh, crap, this is much harder than I thought. Oh, crap, this is not H E T V. Oh, crap, this is some real stuff that I'm going to screw my house up or this, this wood up and there has to be more qualified people or there's classes I need to take or I need to like reflect back and like refocus on what i'm trying to do here that's what i think yeah uh it's 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 very impressive
0: um but what about okay so i i was looking at some post you had up the other day about finishes Mm -hmm. you know and (laughs) you know you the all-in-one finishes and yeah you know I'm not in charge of all the jobs of of, of what people choose when mm-hmm. I do a job. Yeah, I'm not always into it. I'm not always into their material choices. Yeah, but but the majority of us out there doing the work day to day in this cheapened world mm-hmm. are installing hollow core doors mm-hmm. with some urethane, water or oil based w- w- single coat system. Yep. You know, and that's the way the world's going. But what you know, what are we gonna do? What what, we can't all do what you're doing. You know,
1: what do you think about that? What I think about that is um, they're probably pricing out the job wrong, or they're not. I mean, do you hate it? Do you do you hate that that you know, like MDF trim? Oh, I hate MDF trim. Hate it. I know. I know. Hate it with a passion. I hate myself. I hate myself when I have to (laughs) install it. I hate. I hate it. I hate it. Because here's the thing. I, I want to educate the... Here's the thing. Obviously, I'm selfish because, listen, it's not my money. I'm using your money, okay, as a customer. It's your money. I totally get it. You work hard, hopefully, for your money. You earn this. This is where you want to be. Fine. But I'm also thinking about longevity. MDF mm. one coat paint, paint, flawless. Second, third coat of paint, whew, garbage all day. So can you live with garbage? This is your home. This is your investment. Another five grand. It's not garbage. It's repeatable. It's fixed. You can sand it back. You can, you know, you can do so much more. I like to educate them, and then maybe I'm just where I have one of the parts of my, of myself that I can be like I'm not cocky, but I'm kind of just like confident, and I'm just like I don't install MDF. I'm sorry, I just don't. You want me? It's a certain grade. I don't do it, and I won't do it because there's a lot of risk. So you know, can I say like you know that's a selfish move? A hundred percent. At the same time, I'm also thinking about the risks of cutting all that dust and the mess that it creates. And I'm always just thinking about we throw away so much great product. So many things can be saved and refinished and restored. If we just took one, you don't need that wolf range. You don't need that mealy or whatever, how you pronounce it, dishwasher. You can do a step down. There's your, there's your few thousand dollars to get what you want. You know, you can pick and choose. And I feel like if we educate people, then, you know, there's an opportunity there. At the same time, everything has changed. VOCs has changed everything. So the the product you find in the big box stores, they've got dumbed down for people who are hobbyists to do the work. And polyurethanes are nowhere near the same. The stains are nowhere near the same. So it's just kind of like there are other manufacturers out there. And this all-in-one, I understand, is I'm already under the gun. I am already have all this pressure. I need to find something that works. But in reality, is like you come back the next day, it's a little sticky. Oh, it's, I can't put the coat on. Oh, it's getting too blotchy. If you didn't use that product, if you thought about a dye, if you thought about uh, NGR, if you thought about shellac, if you, you know, all these basic things, you would get the job done faster. And the quality is even better because everyone says you're only as good as your last job well, you know, and the last job you run under the gun, it's not your fault. You know, you, maybe it's just a hiccup in the, in the road, but you know, sometimes it defines you. So it's just like, sometimes it's just like, it's like 60, 40, it's 60 getting percent of the job, getting everything ready for finishes. The last 40%, it's all about finishes. So that's what people look at. That's what needs to be perfect. So I feel like you need to have a balance there or make things a priority and educate yourself and the client of what the outlook is in the future.
0: I don't know. No, (laughs) that's awesome. I, 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 I've only personally made the choice to use an all-in-one once and I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. It was, it was sticky. It never quite set up. It it was, so there I am. Now I've got my paint thinner and rags Mm -hmm. trying to like, and now the color's changing. Oh. Yes. It was terrible. And I had a client where I I did a, I built them a house and they wanted to be involved, which I don't normally. I'm like, "No. If mm-hmm. you want to help, it you I'm charging twice as much yep. for every hour you work." But <clears throat> they used all in ones on their doors and when my crew installed them, their hands were like We had had to wash those, like, okay, we got to have gloves to install these doors, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which, you know, is uncomfortable and you don't want to be wearing surgical gloves while you're doing finish work.
1: Definitely. And, you you know, know. hollow core doors, you know, I listen, I understand budgets, 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 but at the same time, you'd be surprised what you can find in salvage yards and you'd be surprised how easy it is to actually make a door. Now, obviously, if you're a true hobbyist, it's very difficult. You don't have the tooling and everything else, but... It's not hard to make a door, and it's not that much more money for a little bit more solid door. And I just think about what happens if there's a flood coming. MDF is going to warp. The hollow core masonite is going to warp. It looks like crap. You can't paint it. You know, it's just like at the same time, it's like wood is becoming more and more scarce. But at the same time, there's many options out there for people and that they need to realize what these options are. But that becomes a headache for a lot of carpenters because if a client comes in more questioning or picking on them, they think the customer is a pain. No, actually, a customer wants their investment to be long term and succeed. If they're not nitpicking, they are just maybe striving for better quality. If you can't deliver that better quality, guess what? It's just not your customer. You're not there right now. And I understand money is important, but sometimes it's like you just have to walk away. They're not you're not at that level. And I've been there. I've told people like, listen, this sounds amazing, but I'm not your guy. I'm not at that level. So it's just like, you have to be willing to reflect and be like, I'm not, we don't click. Yeah. I think the, I
0: think the thing, the general contractor runs into these days, especially let's say for a new home is balancing out uh, building science applications and finishes Mm -hmm. and because to me, it's really important that the air quality is healthy. It's really yes. important that, especially where I live, where a house is absolutely so tight, we have extreme mm-hmm. temperatures, and then a lot gets lost and finishes. They they start out with big eyes, and and I'm trying to get them on top of their budgets right away because mm-hmm. they're paying for certain things on their own, mm-hmm. and the sky's the limit. Yeah, plum with with fixtures with everything, and and. And then they say, oh, we want hollow core doors. And I, we'll just install I'll install nice ones later. I'm like, you do not understand how much that's going to cost if you do it later. Oh, gotcha. Like, we have you have won't to, do you it. Have to, you have to pull out all the baseboard trim. Base, well, you can, you don't, essentially, you're going to wind up pulling out all the base because you got to match your new doors. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a big deal. God, yeah. You have to move God, yeah. everything of every room. You don't understand what it is to remodel a home. For sure. And why are we thinking about remodeling a new home anyway?
1: Yeah. You know, and air quality is so important. I live in an old, stucco, terrible apartment, and uh, Mm. the air quality, we have air filters on all day, every day, 24-7. And I know it can be better. And um, it's a big concern. And I think people need to pay attention to that. And your HVAC is opening a window? Yeah, HVAC. It's different. Yeah, and thank God I don't live in the city because, like, you never know what the truck and the construction and everything else happening in the cities. The air quality isn't that great on the outside. The air quality is better inside, and the air yeah. quality isn't better in the first place on the inside. So what are you going to do? Yeah, man. Um.
0: So let's go back to the yep. beginning of your journey now. Mm-hmm. Um. You were clerking at CVS. Yeah. Pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And which was attached to the CVS School of Woodworking.
1: Oh, no. It, uh, it, no. I worked at CVS as a mm-hmm. clerk and I worked at Woodcraft. Woodcraft was attached to the Connecticut Valley School of Woodworking.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just read that article on your website. And
1: okay, so tell me about when you met Phil Lowe. All right. So I left college. I worked at Woodcraft in uh, Manchester, Connecticut. They had a school, different name, but now it's called Connecticut Valley School of Working. They were bringing in uh, all these craftsmen that wrote for fine woodworking. I was starstruck. One day, my mentor, uh, Philip Lowe, was in there. I didn't take his class. And I saw a man hand planing all these beautiful shavings while barely paying attention to what he was working on, answering questions with students. And like, I was just drawn mm. in. Like, drawn in. Like, who is this magician out here? Like, what is happening? The noise. Because he, that... fe- he was feeling it. He was feeling it. He was in the groove. Yeah, and the noise that neat. plane was making, like, the guy knew how to read grain direction. And then, of course, he suckered me. He's like, hey, I got a school up in Beverly, Massachusetts. <laughs> you should come into our open house. You know, here it is, MapQuest, don't know any directions, never been to Massachusetts, ghetto boy, MapQuest. Uh, yeah, bring you my dated, mom with just me. Made it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Of
0: course. Yeah. Bring your mom Bro- with you. Yeah. Bring
1: my mom with me. She's reading directions, slight right here, slight left here. The names on the street don't showcase unless they're in the beginning or the end of the road. In the middle, you're screwed. You hope you're like you're literally looking at the mileage. Anyway, I go up to the school and let me tell you, like I can still smell the school. Even though it's gone like the scent the aroma, the wall of stuff that he made for samples for teaching or woodwork to present to present to customers it was breathtaking full-scale drawings by hand, the detail work the guy was a master and um, I, I fell in love like literally like I've just fell in love like I, I you know I was literally when I finally applied, and I was at work and he called me and saying, I got accepted to school. I cried like a little baby. Like it was like, I felt like I made it like, you know, here I am like, here we go. This is what I'm meant to do. And, uh, it was just a special moment and we had a special relationship and, uh, I love the man to death. Like, you know, he did so much for me. He changed me. He made me a better man. Uh, I was not anything special, but I just, how old were you? How old were you then? Uh, let's see. I got accepted in 2002, but could, didn't have enough money. So I got accepted in 2004. So 20 is 18. I was like 22, age of 22. So, you had
0: to, so it was two years you had to put money together to do it?
1: Yeah. Because so. he had no no financial aid, no loans, no nothing. Right. It was
0: just like, it was totally specialty.
1: Yeah. Cash money out yeah. of pocket. And, and that's when I say I almost became homeless in my second year, on my last semester, because I was working. For 40 hours a week in going to school, at least 40 hours. And, uh, that's where I was working at CVS as a, as a supervisor. And, um, like I said to myself, listen, I got a gym membership. That's $10 a month. There's a shower. It's open 24 seven. The school has a kitchenette. I can eat there sleeping bag. I was a shop manager. I can pack up everything and send it home. And, uh, that was the plan. And, uh, thank the lord uh as i as i believe anyway um he he came up to me and said listen we're gonna develop a relationship here that you're gonna work for me and half of what i give you goes towards the school tuition the other half is for you at that time you know he was paying me 20 dollars an hour for me that was like oh my god it's the best thing since sliced bread because it's like i was not making that at cbs so Mm -hmm. for me i was making even more money and um I lucked out. I really did. Like he, he took to me. Um, you know, he says I'm the. He used to say I'm the Puerto Rican son he never had, and he was a w- white Irish man. So there's no way he'd be able to have a Puerto Rican son like me, anyway. But uh, it was just a great opportunity, and um, uh, i I was blessed to have him. I didn't realize how lucky I was until people would tell me how lucky I am, and uh, people call me a brown noser, but it really was just more of a. Uh, a love for the man and respect for his trade. Incredible.
0: Yeah, and you were still kind of a punk kid.
1: Oh yeah, I was big time punk. And I, you know, my wife still once in a while when we get into uh, great conversations, she's like, "Jesus, you're still a punk." You know, I can never make you not become a punk. And it's just like, I just this is how I grew up. You know, I had to be. I had to be. I just, I you know, my mom. I'm just like my mother. Just to have a little bit of an attitude. Always have that little, you know, never forget where you come from kind of mentality. Um, and, but I change a lot. Like, you know, my friends who tell me, like, Jesus, you changed so much. I'm so proud of you, you know, because I used to not care. I used to just say what it is and just move on. Um, yeah. I'm much better, but, you know, there's still a little bit of punk in there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can relate. And, that, you know, the, a lot of that saying stuff and not caring was just insecurity and, you know, being young, right? I mean just, yeah. it's like Being defense young, mechanism. Being yes. a defense defense mechanism.
1: There has to be that, or you know, the other way I approach it is that so many people are scared to say something. I'm not. Like like I tell people, what I say behind your back, it's 150% I'll say happily in front of you. Not that I'm gonna be, you know, a rude person or a jerk or anything, but um, I'm not scared, mm-hmm. but like, listen, dude, I didn't appreciate that. Like you know, it's like I will never disrespect you like that. I, you know, I'm not scared of confrontation. Um, it's just more of that. It's just, it, it's not necessary, or the tone needs to be different. And I now realize that people are human, and people are not perfect, and you have to be open minded.
0: Hundred percent. I like it. What did your What did your mom think about you going into the trades? Puerto Rican mom. She, um, she loves. She loves her son.
1: Why do I have to go to Massachusetts to do this? Why can't I do it in Connecticut? And mm. um, she supported me like you wouldn't believe both my parents. But let me tell you, my dad rarely ever cried. And when I was leaving the last day for like to finally move up to Massachusetts, that man cried. And it was painful to see him cry. And it hurt him to even cry because he not a very little emotion. I almost didn't. Like I said, I'm not leaving. Like I'm, I'm staying like, you know, it was it was that tough. Um, and they were worried. I was never on my own. I was worried. Um, a new world, basically no friends. Uh, I barely ever make friends anyway, but it was like, no, I didn't know anyone. Um, but I called them every day. I traveled home almost every weekend because I miss mom and I miss whatever friends I had. Um, but it was a huge learning curve. And uh, I just got older and stronger and they got happier. But, you know, for years, years, I called them every day. My parents just say, hey, I'm alive. I'm doing well. What started changing is like, you know, you went from just a beeper to a cell phone to cell phone with text messages to, you beeper. know, phone. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like things got easier, you know, <laughs> things got easier. So. And they
0: were they were proud and happy that you went into the trades.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, my mom worked at Carling Technologies as a as a supervisor. She ran a whole bunch of productions, uh, assembly lines. Uh, she was always in the ha- in her hands involved in in the kind of the trades. And she did in her later years. She was more of a uh, she worked at Colt Manufacturing as a gunsmith fabricator. My dad was a um, a maintenance man. You know, floors, walls, bathrooms, painting, cleaning, polishing. You mm-hmm. know always involved um and they just took so much pride in what they did didn't care what it was they just took pride and it's just like you can't feel shame for the work you're doing because uh everyone's needed everyone needs to do this uh so it's just like like i i referenced earlier my dad's like you know everyone says how can you clean the toilet bowl again it's like i've got made that baby shine and i take pride in my work and it's true and it's every day, every time I clean a toilet bowl, it's just like, I want to see this baby shine. So I do whatever it takes. And I'm, I don't care what it is. It's just, I don't care what I need to do. It's just like, this is my responsibility. This is what I got to do. You take it with a, with a smile and just like, I don't care who judges me. You know, I, I love what I'm doing. I take pride in what I do.
0: Your parents instilled a lot of this.
1: 100%.
0: Who you are today in you. That's evident here um did they did they grow up stateside or they were they did they move from puerto rico
1: no they moved from puerto rico um my mom was 20 in her 20s so my dad would be maybe a little bit in his late 20s early 30s um they knew each other in puerto rico they somehow migrated here you know there was a process to you know i think they had to get it was an odd story but they had to get sponsored at one time by family. Member. They were already here and they were ready knew each other. Uh, I come from a very big family and uh, they reunited again here in in Connecticut and um they hooked up, and, you know. They basically never got married but they've been together they were together forever mm-hmm. and separated forever. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. they were like best friends. So it was good.
0: Hey, let's uh, let's change into some of these back or these regular questions I ask. Okay, because um, you got to go fairly soon. What was your favorite childhood toy?
1: Favorite childhood toys: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, probably Pee Wee Herman doll. You know, those were He-Man dolls. <laughs> you know, Teddy Teddy Rups- Teddy Rupskin, was hey, it? Teddy Rux- Ruxpin. And then uh, Alf was great. The Smurfs, you know, I had all those. Teddy Ruxman, that, that,
0: they were rioting in malls when I was a boy, trying <laughs> to get their
1: hands on those things. I loved them. I still have a Pee Wee Herman doll in Connecticut, So, and a lot of Ninja <laughs> Turtles. I still have most of my Ninja Turtles in the box.
0: What could you care less about today that you were passionate about when you were younger?
1: Overall looks, clothing, mm. appearance, I care. I could care less. Absolute careless. Have you seen that stand up comedian bit uh
0: where the guy says you you know you've you know you've become an adult when you start uh, wearing Kirkland pants.
1: I have not. <laughs> I have not, no. But it makes sense. It was all about passion, you know. We're as Hispanics growing up, everything was like the newest, coolest thing right. I had to get it. And uh, I, it was like that for years and now it's just like pfft,
0: and you had to look dialed.
1: I have to look dials, you know. Now, I never bought a pair of Jordan sneakers, but I laugh at it. It's like, dude, your Jordan sneakers still don't cost as much as my Red Wing boots. You know? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It may not look yeah. as good or cool, but they're priced the same. What about you today would the younger you laugh at? Um, well, laugh at. Boy, that's a great question. Um, how more how soft I've gotten over the years. You know, I'm not as, as grumpy or brute or, or uh, masculine as I used to be, I guess I used to be more, you know, bodybuilding, lifting, working aggressive. I'm, I'm softer now. He probably would definitely laugh at me, but you still important. You still place importance on your health.
0: Yes. And your, your maintenance. For sure. Yeah.
1: Why do skilled trades matter? Well, it's simple. Without us, you can't survive. You need you people need us like you wouldn't believe. This world ticks around us. Think about this: the toilet bowl was first made out of wood. All right, we made that by hand before it became into what it is today. Everything we use every single day took tradespeople to do it, and we need to realize how important we are beyond the doctors, beyond the medical staff, beyond the mechanics and plumbers. We wood people are more important than you realize. We keep you safe and we keep you ha- having a good life and i think that's why trades matter and you
0: know i yeah and it's a it's a simple question but i like asking it because you know when i was a boy trades people were not respected yes you know the college thing we we're supposed to do all that crap but mm-hmm. i think i think that's changing for sure but I like these, I like to hear people say it. So, yes. other people who aren't in the trades will eventually hear it because I will put a podcast together with everybody's <laughs> answer to this one day. One day That's when I awesome. have that time. Um, yeah. Should tradespeople have to have a side hustle?
1: Uh, they shouldn't have to. But until we show people that how important we are and how much they need us and how we need to also survive. Uh, that won't change. Uh, I'm not saying to be greedy, but at the same time we need to make a good living and we deserve it and we work hard for it. So I understand we want to stay at the blue collar mentality, but I don't see why we can't be on the verge of white collar. I think
0: I, I you know, I view trades as absolute professionals the back of my my crew t-shirts oh i've got one on the back of my shirts say professional is that right so it's yeah and so all my crew when they would actually wear the shirts um they're on my job sites and it says professional on their back and it was excellent for the for the clients because it it gave them like a sense an extra sense that they were being handled well okay um so who is, I I think I know who it is, but
1: who's your mentor? I have many mentors, okay? Obviously, it starts with my parents, and I had my other mentor, Phil. I, you know, a lot of the authors in Funwood Working Magazines, and uh, Will Neptune, which who I share a shop with, was is another master. Uh, he was a mentor. Um, even the books that I read uh, were mentors. I am so grateful for so many mentors, I'm only as halfway decent as I am because of my mentors. You know, one of the things I just
0: pointed out in a podcast I dropped yesterday, uh, I didn't really know, you know, mentoring wasn't a thing when we were kids and not like, here's a mentor. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. But the thing that I pointed out in this pod yesterday, and it'll be a month from now before six weeks before this pod drops, but okay. Um, is that, a lot of the mentors that I didn't realize were mentors along the way said things to me that I think about now, but they only said it once. There was it wasn't like a friend who's net who's who's being like, dude, like on your back about something you are or or telling you over and over. You don't get the message over and over again from me- your mentors. They tell you one time. Yeah, And you got to be open. You've got to be
1: ready and receive. Yes, hundred percent. And and some mentors don't say much, and you have to understand. You know the word selection that they use because sometimes it has a lot of meaning. Yeah, and they're the—I mean—they're masters. Mm-hmm. You've got to—you've just got
0: to—if they're in the zone. And before, earlier in the pod, you said uh, you get tunnel vision, and—and and it's good and bad. But it's—it's—it's it's, it's, the bad is like you might miss something in your own life. But the good is something someone might be watching, and someone might learn and see something that they're only going to see if they were very present in yes, that moment. For sure.
1: 100%. Um, what's your favorite tool? Oh uh, boy. Favorite tool. I have so many, but I'll jokingly say what my mentor used to always say. The Ticonderoga number three pencil. You can always Just- erase. You can always erase it. And it's almost as sharp as a knife and it's so much more accurate than a number two pencil. Have you been to the Ticonderoga Pencil Factory? No.
0: I bet it's pretty cool, though. I went there when I was a kid. It's, uh, it's like mid-New York somewhere, Ticonderoga. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a giant pencil statue outside. <laughs> Do you still use
1: regular pencils or mechanical or something else? Mostly regular pencils. In carpentry work, uh, I use a carpentry pencil and I use mm-hmm. number twos because you need to be able to see it but when it the cut matters is number three number four or a knife
0: or a knife yeah mm-hmm. what's the most useful tool most useful tool the eraser what's what's the uh where have you been on my life tool
1: Where have you been on my life tool um the CarveX or the multi tool from Festool, no vibration. I can cut right on the line. It is flawless. It is so accurate. It's such a lovely tool. It's like, where have you been all my life? It's breathtaking. Huh? I I love my multi tool. Yeah. I you know um, I use a more multi tool now because of the carpentry work, but before then, I probably would say my number four hand plane. My, yeah. you know, or my number my 102 or 16 and a half Lee Nelson block plane, those are I still travel with them everywhere, like I have them on the job site, even if I don't need them, they're there. I, I the trust multi, them. the
0: one of my favorite aspects of the multi tool is turning it on when a client that won't stop asking questions comes in the room. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's one of its best applications. That's funny. Um, I didn't know about the fest tool. I don't own any Festool anything, but a non-vibrating. Oh like, man, that's beautiful! Because you can dial in. You can probably dial in. Yes, your cut. And so they're, it, they're pretty wild cuts sometimes.
1: Yeah, and they have that's attachments cool. so when you want to do drywall with a vacuum. There is almost mm. no dust. It's beautiful. Mm. Okay. Highly recommend it. Um, it's hard
0: these days with all the new tools coming out. Mm-hmm. I've Big got thing. lots of. Lots of Insta envy, Insta tool envy going on. Okay, what's the best nickname for a tool?
1: Oh man, the thing of bob. Because <laughs> sometimes I forget. I was like, you know that thing of a bob. Where we're just using it. We're just get, the using it. Yeah, yeah, get the thingamabob. get yeah. exactly. the thing of a bob. Exactly. Then what's What's the best food where you live? Oh, s- Spanish food, man. That's where I, where. Oh, where I live. Yeah, the best food, jeez. Uh, probably leaning more towards Italian. It's probably mm-hmm. the best kind of food. But when I grew up, Hispanic, rice and beans, kind of like Mexican style in the ghetto, mm-hmm. it was so good, so mm-hmm. good. Best job set jams. Um, Jesus, it all depends. Um. I love Spanish music, salsa merengue. I love um, Guns N' Roses, hard rock. I love classical music. Uh, I am I have a broad selection spectrum. Country music, like old school country music, uh, soul music, blues, you know, old school hip hop. If it's clean, you know, um, but most of the time, believe it or not, unless I'm tired, I'm, there's no music. It's just me super focused because that's how we were brought up. Old school hip hop, if it's clean, is that
0: a, sounds like a contradiction?
1: I Meaning, like, I'm, I don't have to constantly hear a swear word every 30 seconds, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of old school hip hop that doesn't have
0: swearing in it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's that's why I don't really listen to much of it anymore uh-huh, because uh-huh. I, I never know when a customer is coming.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, on, on site, it's definitely um, trickier.
1: And I, I highly recommend now, and I'm pretty strict at it. Uh, technology has changed everything. If you want to listen to that, put your headphones on. There was a plumber yeah. and one job. He was listening to it. I kind of said, you know, I don't want to hear that. Put your headphones on. He kind of gave me a little attitude. I was like, hey, you know, you can go home. You know, no one no one told you how to be here today. So he turned it down. He didn't have it on. Next time I saw him, he had his headphones on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's job site etiquette is super important. Huge. And I hate you when want, you're battling you each other the music. I can't stand one rock, one country, ones are trying to make it high. Uh, You know, I'm one of those guys that if if you're downstairs and they have the music blasting upstairs, guess what? I move your radio downstairs or I turn it down. And if people get upset, be like, I don't want to hear it, man. You know? It's not your site. Well, I still don't want to hear it.
0: Last year, I had a a project manager on, uh, Drew McLean, awesome guy, and he manages these 30,000 square foot builds, Mm -hmm. residences in in Florida on the beach and wow they'll have, I asked him job site jams and he said, none, no music yep. on my job sites because he's like, I'll have 50 or 60 tradesmen on the job site at a time. Mm-hmm. And there are five different crews and they all want to have their own music and it's yep. just chaos.
1: So now I'm the same way. None. Put your headphones on.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then headphones are dangerous. Yes. In a, in a, in a space where there's a lot of people moving around. For sure. You lose awareness.
1: Yeah. Which is why I prefer no no music. And a lot of the people we work on site are no music.
0: I I sometimes have no music, even when I'm working alone, because it's just like, okay, I need to be yes laser focused. I can't start thinking about the lyrics because I get too caught up in lyrics anyway. Yes. I start singing or <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But um okay. You know, I always have my guests ask a question. Mm-hmm. And my previous guest, Kyle Zanetto, asks of you, he doesn't know who it's going to be, but Mm -hmm. um, what are you doing to self-improve
1: for yourself currently? Work less, work out, uh, relax more, go on vacation more, learning to walk away and say no. That's what I'm doing.
0: I I love it. I am in that boat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am in that boat with you, man. It's a good place to be. For sure. Um, what question would you ask anyone else that might be on this podcast?
1: Do you do you still love it? Like what you're doing? Like, are you doing it for money? Or are you doing it for the love of working with your hands and craft? Like people say, oh, yeah, I love it. Like, no, I mean, like, do you truly love it? like you know there was a period there that i love the money i love that but what i was doing wasn't what i love so do you love what you're doing because it helps you reflect back like do i love it like you know i understand you got to support your family and everything else but do you truly like i'm so excited and i'm so disappointed that i have to leave versus like everyone out there sometimes like oh thank god it's friday I haven't felt that once with the job I'm taking because I'm loving what I do. But when I work for myself, I say, damn, thank God it's Friday.
0: I like that, man. Thanks for saying that. It's, it's a really important thing for people to reflect on. For sure. If I had pursued the path that I was thought I was supposed to be on, I would be miserable. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Despite all the struggles and all the, the hard times as a business owner and, um, a really crappy business owner for a long time.
1: Yeah. For uh,
0: sure. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Yeah, I'm happy where I am. You know, I wish I made slightly dif- different decisions, but I'm very happy that the path led me here. Anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Um, you know, I, I have so many people that I love and admire that it's really hard for me just to pick one. But um I will say that for the ones that truly love what they're doing and they put their best effort forward, you deserve to be shot out. You deserve to be recognized because you're more important and you're doing more to for the trades than you realize.
0: Any any words of wisdom?
1: Any oh, words you're, you're, of wisdom that you want to drop? Um, Don't be scared to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. The most important thing is to get yourself back up, breathe, walk away, and sometimes understand that today is not your day, but doesn't mean that you're a failure, that you're a hack. It's just that there takes time and you have to involve and never feel like you're 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 going to stop learning or that you mastered it because in reality maybe you got the vowels of the word master but you're nowhere near it takes a long time so keep striving keep trying to be better perfect your trade but love it so what i got i like it man
0: i i'm with it i i There's been times when I've made repeated mistakes, you know, after years and years of doing something Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm like, and I'm happy. I go, you know what? I just, I've made this mistake like 10 times. Cause you know, know but then you have a huge epiphany. Big time. And you go game paradigm shift
1: Mm -hmm. for sure. And you go to bed feeling really good those nights. Big time, feels great. Excited to be back the next day. Do you think that um, that everybody out there
0: listening should leave this podcast a five star review?
1: One hundred percent. I
0: think, I think yeah. we did. A, I think we did a good job today.
1: You know, it's such a pleasure and an honor. And when I found your when I found your podcast, it was a breath of fresh air. I look forward to it every single time, and I feel like the people are real and that they're. They're leaving it all out there. They're not holding back. And not many podcasts are like that. Eagles are not involved here. That a lot of people you could bring in, no, a lot of people, all you people you bring in are passionate and they love what they do. And I think that I don't know why I haven't given them a five star review. So I better get on that too. Yeah, so. buddy.
0: <laughs> chop, chop. Thank yeah, you, Freddie. Thank, thank you for that accolade. I appreciate that so much. It's, it's, uh, this has become quite a movement here. For sure. It's great. It's, 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 uh, and I'll say, I'll add, if you're out there thinking about doing something, just do it. Because God, yeah. I didn't, I did not know this would be what it became. It was just a, it was a whim. For sure. When I started this. And, and, uh, I am super honored to
1: host the people I do. And, it's I listen to every episode, man. I went all the way back. When I found it, I went all the way back and listened to every episode. I love it.
0: That's cool. I like hearing that. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. Freddie Roman, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Hey, everybody. Just a little reminder out there that this podcast
0: is 100% independently recorded and produced by me at my house in Fairbanks, Alaska. There's no sponsors. There's no outside money. It's just me and my stuff. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review or share it in your stories on Instagram for others like you to hear it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. That's all I got. Later.